Welcome to the Podcock Peacast. I'm your host, the only Tyler Peacock, back for another episode. Um, oh, well, I do have uh, a co-host, a guest, if you will, uh, Mr. Seldick himself, um, Bobby Russell. Got to be pumped about the NBA Finals coming up, so what's up, dude? Yeah, that is that is the thing that I am most looking forward to right now. Uh, the second thing is my countdown clock. It's at 214 days, and oh. that's a very special very special day for for this podcast in particular because that is when ohio is going to have legalized sports betting january 1st so are you saying like you're 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 perishing in 214 or what'd you say 14 uh, 214 days is that like when you're living in a shoebox or you're dead or uh the bobby russell we knew formally has changed for the better what what's the what's the messaging there that is i'm just going to be a legal degenerate that day (laughs) (laughs) i uh i'm excited i mean i guess we could talk about this this is kind of unplanned talk about this a little bit let's talk to a buddy he's a also degenerate matter of fact he uh made a phone call to me last week uh on his way to lawrenceburg indiana uh to the casino (laughs) but um Oh, we're talking about, like, how many options Ohio is going to have book-wise. Now, I don't know how you're going to do it. I'll probably just stick to one book um, just so I have one account and and whatnot. Um, Probably FanDuel or um, Barstool since they have that alliance or whatever. Uh, But I guess it will be cool to kind of shop around some lines in the state. And Ohio uh, supposedly is getting the the biggest rollout with, like, over 40-some – books to to bet with and websites and and all that jive so i guess i mean they've been teasing this mm-hmm. uh i don't know it feels like 18 months i feel like i mean the, the vote i when did it happen in 2020 uh or 2021 but they they talked about it in late 2020 so i guess that's where my timeline might be a little off but um i thought we'd have it this year in 2022 but January 2023 is the date. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm along the cinema of that same line there. You know, I figured with how big the Browns and the Bengals and Ohio State are in the state, uh, they they would try to push that to get it done by you know Labor Day, so that you know yeah you'd have that ready to go. Um, but I mean, it does make sense. Falls in line with NFL playoffs, um, Super Bowl a month later. You know, then you know that's basically when the NBA season starts. So that's prime time right there so i I get it i get they want to do it right make sure everything is done the right way um but yeah it's just like that that looking for that next crack rock i'm ready to scratch that itch (laughs) yeah same here uh yeah it's uh it's exciting and um i don't know like we're yeah it's june june 1st right now so seven months i guess i've waited 33 years and some change so i could uh wait seven more months i guess but anyway anything else anything else to kind of like uh, we're gonna get to the nba finals preview talk a little hockey playoffs and racing at the end it's kind of the agenda for the day but i i kind of wanted to bring this up I, th- I was gonna do it at the end but i'll just do it now since it's fresh in my mind what about this uh jock peterson tommy fam fantasy football situation the, the bitch slap heard around cincinnati last weekend um just just your thoughts on on that video they're both their press conferences and you're a fantasy football player uh yeah. i believe so maybe some some etiquette do's and don'ts real quick for the listeners out there uh yeah i mean this has been i mean everyone's saying it, but this is hilarious the layers of the story oh, yeah. that keeps going now mike trout's involved as the commissioner yeah we're getting all that today epic mm-hmm. one-liners from him um I, I i love it i mean it's the most interesting thing happened in baseball this year i mean <laughs> i couldn't tell you the scores or who's leading what division i could care less about baseball right now and this has made me all in um so i i, I love it uh fantasy football long time guy here same league since 2013 um Two commissioners, one lasted one year, so that can tell you how that kind of went. So I understand how some do make some bad decisions, uh, but th- they have to be the bad guy. I mean, we all hate Roger Goodell. He has to be the bad guy. 
he has to be the point for us to all unite against. So I get it. Um, yeah, that was the, the, this, the slap that sells. It looked like something straight out of like a sitcom. It, it looked like a How About Your Mother episode. Um, mm-hmm. It was my favorite thing last week. And then, like, I, I don't know who I, I don't know who looks better coming out of it between Tommy Fan and, and Jock because I was kind of like, you know, at first Jock Peterson was um, in the little media scrum in the locker room. He, he kind of wore it in a way. And I guess you kind of have to, but um, I don't know. Like, I I, I haven't made a, a, a verdict on that yet either, personally. I, as someone who has done the same thing that Jock Peterson has done, it's completely within the rules. If it's not against the rules or a setting that has changed and you find a way to job it, why not? The Tampa Bay Lightning did it two years in a row in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, they yeah. left players on the long-term injured reserve all year all of a sudden salary cap doesn't count in the playoffs. They're healthy all of a sudden. So if, if you find a loophole, you, you can use it. Um, so I, I, I'm team Peterson on this one. Um, I, I think he's in the right here. Um, and then just him dropping the, the gif and being a hard G guy, that, that made it even better. Yeah. And then we all know, like, I'm sure you have it. We don't have to mention by name. We all have that, that dude in the friends group that like, you kind of know, like a little bit of a loose cannon. You could you could kind of push some buttons here or there, but like an, an altercation is is bound to happen if you if you press too many buttons or, or push too hard. And it doesn't matter what it is. They're they're just kind of a a, a glass case around them emotionally, and, and they could fly off the handle. Maybe that's that's Tommy Fan. Maybe I mean mm-hmm. um, I I don't play fantasy football in the league. Um, I'm not against it. Just I've never gotten a league or anything like that. No desire to really, but I feel like that would be part of the the allure of it is is the group chat or, or the group chat or the the email uh, chain, if you will, too, of uh, of just kind of shit talking and 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 all that. So and and some guys, like I said, they're gonna fly out the handle and they're not cut out for it. But I feel like the majority of people. Um, they could take a good ribbing and, and give it back. So it's all in good fun. But apparently, you don't fuck with Tommy Pham's money. <laughs> Which is, I, I want to know how much. That, that's my last thing. I want to know how much the buy in was. Yeah, that's got to that's be a, a high. Like, you can't be, you know, doing $50 leagues like like the schlums like, like I am. Right. That, that, that's got to be at least, that's, that's at least a five figure buy in. It has to be. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, it has to be. It has to hurt. I like those kind of stakes. Like to to get that irrationally pissed about something like that. Um, yeah, that has to be something that's noticeable. Like if not, like I don't know. Tommy Fane's like the craziest <laughs> motherfucker in 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 the bigs. Then the only thing that would have last thing, I guess. I keep saying last thing, and stuff keeps popping in my mind. The only thing that would have made it a little bit better, and it would just make it like absolute perfection as if Tommy fan was like a reliever and he just beamed Jock Peterson. And I mean, the slap though is, is better, but if there was some kind of, or Peterson was a pitcher and there was like some retaliation there, but uh, wow. Just a, who would have thought like the reds, I know their fans are frustrated. Their owners said some crazy shit uh, beginning of the season. Um, basically, Said so you fans are dumb. You'll you'll come to the ballpark anyway, and they haven't really been doing that, and they stink. So uh, that's your the highlights. The highlight of the red season is probably this situation. So uh, good on you. Hey, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, so uh, you'll have that always. Ooh. All right, so let's get into this NBA Finals preview. We got uh, the Warriors. Uh, they won the West six games. Um, and uh, your Boston Celtics, personally, Bobby, win the East in a uh, a wild, weird seven-game series, couple competitive games. I think Boston, yeah, they went three and one on the road in that series, which is kind of, I mean, they've been a good road team, I guess, but you, you don't see that a lot. But um, I don't know. I feel like the best team in the East got two 
the championship round, maybe. Um, overall, team-wise, the near Celtics and the Warriors. I mean, they're the Warriors. They got a, a championship pedigree uh, still with that core, uh, with their big three. So, um, I'll throw it to you first. Well, we're going to go through some keys and X factors, I guess. Um, I wrote down one or two just so maybe we don't overlap. But uh, what what do you think? Of, and you can be biased here if you want. Um, or obviously, I, th- I feel like you're going to be here. But what, what's your uh, what's your key uh, when you look at the series on paper uh, to a Celtics victory or a Golden State victory? Yeah, I, I uh, speaking more for the Celtics here. You know, yeah, from the from the East, they they earned it. I mean, you had to go through the, the previous World Champion. You had to go through two of the top ten players in the NBA right now, and you had to go through the Miami Heat's number one seed this postseason. Yeah, that uh, out dealing with injuries throughout all three phases of it, you know, not having Rob in the first round, uh, second round, you know, Bucks are missing middle can say what you want. I don't think they win that series with him. Um, and then obviously the series, Derek white, having a child, uh, Marcus smart being her Rob being out just all sorts of different things. Al Warford getting COVID, which we talked about that already. So I won't go back to it. So they earned it. Uh, keys for the Celtics. Just don't turn the ball over. They win that series four to one. If they don't turn the ball over and, in game three at home and you know they should have won game one with Al Warford out and Marcus Smart out uh but you know when you turn the ball over 20 plus times it's you're not you're not going to win a game um Miami made them pay for points off turnovers doubling them up in both of those games um you know one thing that's good for them that they, they've proven they've won they won a game seven on the road they swept a team on the road. They went into Milwaukee and won multiple games on the road there. Um, and then obviously you just set it three and one on the road at Miami. Um, so they knew how to win on the road and they play better on the road for some reason. I, I don't get it. The garden's one of the best environments. They just, I don't know. They, they just turn the ball over. They get too nonchalant there. Uh, so turnovers and, and, and being ready to play when the time comes, I think that's for the Celtics. Uh, and then for the Warriors, uh, transition is going to be huge for them. Uh, I feel like if they can get a uh, if they get it up on the the rebounds, you know, especially offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds, get in transition. Um, you know, they have Curry who can come down, and just pick a spot and shoot it. Thompson shoot particularly well, forty one percent from three in the playoffs right now. Draymond, you know, he's gonna he's gonna get rebounds. He's gonna be a facilitator, and then every now and then he'll pick and pop that three pointer there. And then you know, especially if they get Iguodala back, Peyton and um, Otto Porter Jr., they all can shoot the ball well. Um, so transition is going to be huge for the Warriors. Um, and if the Celtics can stop that, I think this is going to be a good series. Yeah, I kind of combined both uh, both teams in my keys and X factor. We'll get to in a little bit. I, the one thing I want to react to, react to, though, it's probably just because the Celtics are are kind of a team that hangs their hat on defense. And, they, you know, the old adage, defense travels. So that's probably why, um, you know, regardless of the numbers or whatever, it's probably why they're so good or have been so good on the road is, is they're mm-hmm. bringing their defense on the road. Um, but dude, you kind of mentioned all my stuff here. Um, I had pace as, as a key to the series. And I, I kind of think Boston might need to drag this down in the mud a little bit. And we've seen it late in that Milwaukee series. And most of that Miami Eastern conference finals, like, those kind of turned into like some some sludge defensive slugfest, mm-hmm. physical actually too. I know all the old heads are like, oh, back in Jordan's day in the eighties and nineties, you didn't come in the paint. Those games were those games in the Easter Conference Finals and that Milwaukee series and the conference semis. Those were those were physical physical battles in the Eastern Conference this playoff run. So I think Boston's going to look to do that. And you mentioned Golden State like up and down, uh, run and gun, get the tempo up. Uh, jack a ton of threes like they normally do. Um, if if they're getting the pace where they want it, they're going to have the advantage. And I think Boston, not saying Boston can't run, uh, but I think they got to be kind of strategic in a way, uh, take their opportunities when they present themselves, but don't force the issue. And then my other one was health. And you mentioned it with the Warriors, um, wrote down all three of those names, Iguodala, Gary Payton II, and Otto Porter. Um, their availability, how well they play, um, is is kind of crucial in the series. And then I wrote down Marcus Smart and Robert Williams uh, for your Celtics. Um, both guys kind of been gutting it out, missed a game or two here or there. With uh, I think Smart had an ankle or foot, um, and and Robert Williams has kind of been dealing with a knee. 
Uh, I mean, I think, I don't know if that was game six or game seven, like three straight possessions. I think he had a dunk, a block, and then another dunk on the offensive end. And just just jumping, landing on that knee, and he kind of wasn't the same. But he, he's bad on through, and he is a difference maker uh, for Boston, especially on the defensive end. So um, I think those are five guys uh, combined for both teams to kind of watch um, – how they're how they look and it might be a game the game quarter to quarter thing i mean everybody's banged up at this point in the season but those would be my keys i'll jump into my x factors and then and throw it back to you um i think the key x factor for boston is the switchability on defense a lot of length on this team especially if they're healthy and i saw a stat that the celtics i don't know the exact numbers on it probably should have looked that up but Celtics have a winning record against Steve Kerr uh, in this Warriors run since he became head coach. And it's not exactly been the same core, but pretty much the same core and the same system defensively. And, I mean, they switch. They got, got a, a lot of guys that are, are malleable. Um, I mean, Horford looks great uh, late in his career. Grant Williams might not look like the prototypical <laughs> body defensively but i mean he's pretty damn good defensively the wings jalen tatum Derek white smart like these guys are going to give the warriors fits i think in this series so love the length and switching defensively uh that's the x factor i think for boston if they can utilize that that'll go a long way in winning the series then i wrote down experience especially in the finals i think what the warriors have a combined 130 some 134 finals games on their roster, and the Celtics have zero. Um, I, I think that could be crucial uh, in this series and, and give the Warriors maybe a leg up on it. But what's your X factors in the series? Yeah, for the Celtics, you know, you mentioned that with the Warriors, the experience. The Celtics come in. They weren't supposed to be here. They were 10th seed in January, uh, went on an incredible tear. They should have were picked against by all the pundits for the Nets to beat them. The Bucks were going to sweep them. The Heat obviously going to take them down. So they're supposed to be here. So they're playing with house money. Um, and I feel like that's a good card in their back pocket as far as the Warriors. They're expected to be here. You know, they've got the pedigree. They know how to play. So they're going to be a little bit more tight, I would say. Um, for, for the Warriors, we, we mentioned them already. Iguodala, if he plays, I think he's going to be great. He can stretch the floor. Um, and he's got that long leg span that can cover, like, you know, I mentioned Tatum and Brown can both do. Um and then I, I, th- I think one of the biggest ones would be Clay Thompson. If, if he really is healthy, if he's still shooting lights out, it, it's going to be tough to stop them. Uh, but for the Celtics, um, the, the X factors for us, you said one of them, Rob Williams, he can cover the floor. He can cover a large amount of floor from paint to the corner three-point line to make a block. We've seen it throughout the whole Heat series. He did that multiple times. Yeah, um, freak. And he can crash the boards. He can get up high. So I feel like if he can out-rebound um, and just grab every single one, I feel like that's going to be great. Um, and then my other two bench guys, uh, Grant Williams, you said him as well, um, really stepped up. I remember when he came in the league, he couldn't shoot the ball, but he could defend. Um, that's what earned him court time, and he's just gotten better. So and he, he can pull up from the corner. That's his spot there. Um, and, then, and then defensively, I think he can square up against Draymond. I think he can take on uh, Thompson. Um, he can also bang with the big guys. Uh, and then Derek White, I feel like he's going to be huge, especially if Smart gets into foul trouble, um, being able to stick with Curry. He's seen him a lot. Uh, if you go back to his time with the Spurs, he, he, he really covered Curry very well. Um, so I feel like that's going to be huge for his defensive ability off the bench. And then for him to continue his hot shooting, he, you know, game six and game seven, uh, couldn't miss, was, was very aggressive going to the rim, taking the shot, not passing it, uh, and making the right decision every time. Uh, so that, that's that. If those three are hitting for the Celtics and if they're doing their part and not fouling out, it's going to be tough for the Warriors to be able to stretch a lead against them. All right, let's jump in. We're going to do series odds, and then I got the MVP odds list. Um, so for the series, uh, the Golden State Warriors, they're floating around that minus 155-160 range uh, for the series. Boston, the underdog at plus 135. But I mean, Vegas is saying this is – Kind of an even series, or, or pretty much, if you look at the odds. Um, Boston in a sweep is plus fifteen hundred, uh, plus nine hundred and five, plus three fifty and six, and uh, plus six hundred and seven. The Warriors to sweep plus twelve hundred, 
uh, and five plus five hundred plus five fifty to take them out in six games and plus three twenty five uh, to to take it out uh, or win the finals in seven. So not to tip your pick or my pick yet, but I um I kind of like the the Golden State and five at plus five hundred from just a, a little bit of a value standpoint. Now I like the Celtics and six plus three fifty. Um, just trying to think realistically about the series and stuff like that. So th- that would be my my two leans there. Uh, how say you on the on the number of games? Um, yeah, I, I, the Celtics and six uh, from the the standpoint there, I, I really like that. And then Warriors and seven. I feel like those two are the the most likely there. Yeah. Um, uh, Celtics, I like how it, it was. Plus three fifty for Celtics and six. Yep, um, and then three twenty five for the Warriors and seven. So I mean that's the two likely outcomes according to Vegas. But I mean that's probably why those are there. Honestly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So those those two are my favorite. And if I had to pick a third one, Celtics and seven there too. I think you said that was six hundred. Six hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- those those three are my my favorite from just a gambling standpoint. Plus I'm Jason. Well, here's the thing too. I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the finals are no longer the two three two format. They're right um, two two one 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 uh, like a traditional seven game series. So um, I don't know. I, I always kind of thought that gave the road team a little bit of an advantage in the two three two format, especially if you still wanted the first two uh, on the road, having three straight home games in, in your building uh, in a tie series, but. I guess we don't have to worry about that now. Uh, finals MVP odds, uh, obviously Seth Curry, uh, the favorite at plus 110. Jason Tatum at plus 170, uh, kind of your co-favorite. Jalen Brown plus 1,100. Clay Thompson plus 1,500. Draymond Green plus 1,800. Andrew Wiggins plus 2,500. Uh, Jordan Poole plus 3,500. Marcus Smart plus 4,500. Al Horford plus 9,000. Uh, Gary Payton second. And Kevon Looney, both plus 10,000. Derek White, plus 15,000. Robert Williams, plus 20,000. Grant Williams, plus 30,000 is uh, your complete odds list. Obviously, I don't know where you're at. I'll, I'll throw it to you, but I, I feel like you kind of have you kind of have to circle those top four players uh, in a realistic, realistic chance. Um, but I kind of like a few dark horses here. I, I kind of like Wiggins. At plus twenty five hundred, I kind of like pool. Uh, at plus thirty five hundred, uh, you know, throw a couple bucks on both of those guys, um, and then Horford at plus nine thousand, and I like the Robert Williams at plus twenty thousand as, as the biggest long shot. Uh, how say you? Uh, and then we'll get to predictions. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even going to bother. Like you said, with the top four, I mean, it's all but a given. Almost one of them is going to win it. Um, however, the series goes, but. My favorite one is Al Horford at plus nine thousand. That the guy, yep. the guy does so much. Um, is the defensive leader along with Marcus Smart on this team puts everybody in the right position, um, and he does he does it offensively and defensively. Um, you know, at at, at plus nine thousand, you're not giving them much of a chance. But if Al comes in and averages seventeen and ten, and they win the series in six or seven. I, that's you got to give it to Al with that. I mean, Tatum and Brown are going to get their points. Curry and Thompson are going to get their points. But who's going to do the little things and make up the the little details there that helps the team win in the extra crunch minutes? That's Al Horford. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, if you go back to the Milwaukee series, if you had to give an MVP in, in a conference semifinal series, it'd be hard to, to not take Al Horford in that situation. So we've seen him lead uh, this team, the Celtics team, and be the best player uh, in a series, you know. And uh, I don't know, kind of that Florida team was likable. He was on, and uh, I I'm not a Celtics guy at all, but um, I kind of root for Al Horford in a way. Like guys put in a ton of time, and it's good to see him have like a a career late renaissance and and playing well. Um, all right, predictions time. Um, I'll I'll give you the option. Do you do you want to go? Uh, what do you think is going to happen in the series and MVP, or do you want me to start? Oh, go ahead and start. All right. Well, listen, I'm not doing this to jinx. I I want to be right. I want to be able to brag that hey, I nailed the finals. Um, 
I did take the Nats in the first round. I did take the Bucks in the second round, but conference semi or conference finals came around. I came to the green and white side and 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 took your Celtics to get to this this point. And I just think, you know, they're getting a little bit of plus money. Um and I circled Celtics and six closing it out in the garden at plus three fifty, plus one thirty five for the series. I think Boston wins. Um just and we mentioned it like before the conference finals, like when we were talking about, you know, finals matchups that we were um, you know, we power ranked them what we're most excited about. And I mentioned it then, like there's something the Celtics and the and the Warriors, they've they've had some hellacious games and and I think uh we get a pretty good series here. So Celtics and six and um it's it's shock as hell to do this, but uh gotta go with my boy from Duke, Jason Tatum as as finals MVP. Kind of a, a coronation for him to you know, to that stardom. I mean he's already there, but to, to be considered a top 10, top five player in the league after this playoff run. That, that's where my uh, my money is at. So Tatum plus 170 for a finals MVP. You have the floor. Yeah, talked about this earlier. The Celtics and the Warriors have played some great games. The Celtics have always been kind of a thorn in the side for the Warriors and Steve Kerr. I mean, they can go back, you know, we, they, they were beating this, the Warriors with Jonas Yerebko and Kelly Olenek and Marcus Smart and Evan Turner. Brad a lot Steven of white guys. Coach. Lot, yeah. And, you know, they had the defensive formula then. Brad Stevens, you know, moved on to the front office role, um, hired a guy with defensive pedigree along the same lines as Brad there. So the bloodline, the coaching line is there. The, 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 gate, the blueprint is there. And, you know, you've still got Orford, who's no more to do, Smart, you got the new young guys that know how to score. Um, and then, then they, they, they make the plays. Um, I'll keep this short and simple. Um, you know, the Celtics, you know, they had the the most championships in history until the Lakers won a Mickey Mouse title in the bubble. Um, how dare you? It, that shouldn't count. Um, and, I'm a LeBron fan. I'm not a Lakers guy. So uh, what? you don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they, they should have had 18 back in 2012. Uh, they, they should have had one more in 2010 when Kobe got his last one. Um, and, you know, I feel like it, this team reminds me a lot of 2008. You got, you got three big guys, Orford, Tatum, and Brown, uh, two that score, one that plays defense and is the heartbeat. Um, and I feel like they're going to keep riding this. And, you know, this team's been through a lot together. They were at the bottom of the bottom this year, and now they're at the top of the top. Uh, Celtics in six, and I'm, I'm hammering that all day. I'm hammering out Orford's my MVP. Um, and I, I really just really think this is the best shot this team's going to have for a couple of years, especially if, you know, next year free agents come over to the East. Um, so if, I, if the Celtics get this one now, they're going to be set up for a while. Yeah. So we should, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm not excited about like nine eighteen Eastern time tip offs. Like you're mm. killing me NBA, but uh, it, it should be a, a long fun series. Um, all right, let's move on to stuff I'm personally more excited about. I get it. You're in, in the midst of a finals run in the NBA, but NHL playoffs have been unbelievable, and we're at the conference final stage here. Um, real quick, each series out of, out of 10 or whatever scale you want to use, excitement level. Um, uh, where, where are you at with uh, each, each series in, in the conference finals? I mean, after watching last night's game, I think <laughs> I think the Western Conference is you know must see if you can stay up to watch it. Yeah, uh, that, that that's that's a ten out of ten on the scale for me. There, just the star Same. power, the firepower, um, and the no goaltending is awesome. I uh, love it. And then for the Rangers and Lightning, which we'll get into later tonight, about to start here. Um, I, I'm I'm at a, you know a five for this one. I, I picked the Rangers to win the cup, so I'm excited that they're here. Uh, yeah, makes, makes me feel good. Uh, picked I picked the Lightning to be here too, I believe. Um, in I our, think he, I think you did, yeah. Yeah, and I had the Abs in the other side, and short of the Wild getting there, um, we're pretty close. So I'm excited for this. Uh, five out of ten for this one. Um, I just I'm tired of seeing the Lightning here, so I just really have to Rangers pull this one through. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the West obviously simple. Ten out of ten. Even before last night, wrote down ten out of ten. Just like you said. Uh, the star power, the top end talent, the creativity, the offense. Um, it's going to be incredible. That's going to be an up and down 
uh, goal fest for the whole series. Also, we're rooting for this. I'm on this watch. Uh, 69 would be, or a more, 69 goals in a seven-game series combined is uh, what the record is all time, apparently. Uh, I saw that stat on Twitter. So we're erase the 69. We're, we're rooting for that. So we're, we're 14, Ooh, eight, six nice. game last night. Yes. So we, uh, we got it. We got the, we got this. We have the six series uh, needs to be extended. Um, even if you go back to last round though, I know it went five, but good God, the flames, the battle for Alberta, the flames Oilers series for five game series. That was, that was bonkers. Just Ooh. entertainment. Uh, even for a short series. And then I'm a little more excited for uh, the, the Rangers lightning. Um, I get the Tampa Bay fatigue um, kind of marvel at what they've done. Uh, but I'm like at a seven and a half out of 10. I, that's going to be an old school checking uh, goaltending series on paper. I mean, it, it really is. So um, real quick, and then we'll get into the odds and, and our predictions on these two series. Uh, what what are we rooting for? What are you rooting for out of, out of this? I, I think I'm rooting for both to go seven. And I had the Oilers pre-playoffs. Been sticking with them. I had the Oilers coming out of the West. Thought it was McDavid's time. So I'm rooting for the the Oilers. And I think, uh, especially if they if they take out the Lightning, I think an Oilers against a New York market, uh, kind of the, the Mark Messier series, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that would be... Uh, Really damn good, but I think either way you slice it, these these potential matchups in the in the Stanley Cup Finals this year would uh, would be pretty good, and I think the league would be pretty happy. Um, especially only having one original six team alive in this one. I know there's some hockey traditionalists. Um, you're a Bruins fan. I'm a Red Wings fan, so we we rep the the original six hard on this podcast. But uh, but what what are you rooting for? Uh, I'm, I'm rooting for Canada to not get to experience the Stanley Cup again. Um, and yeah, I, I don't mind the Oilers. I just don't want Canada to go crazy. Um, I, I feel like the Abs are a much better team. Um, and, you know, I feel like they're great for the sport. And then on the other side, the Rangers, you said original six, Tampa Bay fatigue, um, yeah. you know, my pick. And then, you know, Chris Kreider, I, I just love the way the guy plays hockey. He plays it the right way. He's such a hard-nosed player. Um, and I, I really hope that he would get his name on the cup. So that, those, that's what I'm kind of rooting for out of those two series. All right, gambling odds. Uh, we'll start in the East for the series. I just did the series once. I didn't go through a number of games, but uh, for the series, uh, the Lightning a favorite at minus 180, 185 in that range, depending on where you uh, shop uh, for your for your uh, odds in the Rangers. Uh, plus 160 underdog in the Eastern Conference Finals. So um, that's kind of a tight um, series, according to Vegas. Uh, the Avalanche, now this was before last night, so I'm sure it's grown a little bit. I should probably look that up now, but wrote it down pre-series. Uh, the Avalanche were a minus 250 favorite, and the Oilers uh, plus 200 uh, underdog on the other side of the uh, – of the odds there in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Um, so, what about you? Want to you look at those uh, or hear those lines? Um, anything tickle your fancy when it comes to uh, a series number that you would uh, bet? I I both of them in seven. I feel like that's that's where my, the money is. I feel like this is going to be a couple hard no series here. Uh, especially, you know, if, if the scoring goes one way or the other and the Avs, Oilers, that, that's going to go seven for sure. Um, and then the, the goalie battle, there'll be a low-scoring affair on the other side, was I'm predicting, um, yeah. between, you know, the two Russians here, Shosturkin and Vasilevsky. Um, I, I feel like that one's definitely going to be, you know, a one-to-two one game, you know, a three-to-two type game. Um, that one's definitely going to go seven. So both of those series in the seven is my pick. Yeah, and, I mean, I feel like you and I – uh, it's probably the square play too, but you know, sometimes that works out who gives a shit. But, um, I feel like if you're betting individual games, just ride the over in the Western conference, maybe mm. blind bet the over and in, in goal total and the under in the East. I feel like that's kind of, um, that's kind of where we're at right now in the hockey world, by the way, updated 
lines uh, minus 440 are the Avalanche and plus 350 uh, the Edmonton Oilers after that game one last night. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think both have the, the chance to be uh, extended. I, I think Colorado, Edmonton, that, that's just kind of going to be game to game. No lead safe. Um, and I don't know. I, maybe, you, maybe you do like the, the yo-yo theory. Some people do in the NBA uh, just take the, the team that lost the previous game and, and bet them money line might be a way to attack those individually. Um, East, I don't know, man. Like I give I give the Rangers a little bit of a chance, um, or more than a little bit of a chance. Um, and they're tough. If you look, they they came back from three one in the first round against Pittsburgh and uh, down two zero. Uh, to Carolina, and I mean, they did what no team, sorry to uh, bring up your Bruins, but nobody really sniffed beating Carolina on on their home rink until, uh, I mean, the Rangers just, Shesterkin was awesome, and, and the offense was humming. They pounded them in that game seven. So uh, Rangers, they got a little little bit of a character to this team. So uh, they're a tough out, and yeah, that, that series – that's going to be, you know, both teams selling out, blocking some shots, uh, getting aggressive, back checking. So that's going to be, that's going to be a fun one for old school hockey fans. Um, think of like the 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 Devils in the late '90s, early 2000s, maybe, maybe not with the neutral zone trap per se, but uh, that'll be kind of an old school slugfest hockey series, and then fireworks in the West. I'm excited for both these. But uh, all right, so here we go. Uh, well, my bad. I wrote down cup odds uh, for the four teams remaining left, and then um, we'll get to predictions here. Again, I wrote these down stupidly before game one last night, but Colorado after uh, or before last night's game one was the favorite to win the Stanley Cup at plus 120. Tampa came next at plus 220. Uh, the Oilers plus 550, and the Rangers at plus 600. I'm working on giving you updated odds. So uh, the, the Avalanche now minus 125 after that game on win, uh, plus 220 for the Lightning still. And uh, the Rangers jumped the Oilers at plus 650, plus 1,000 right now for the Oilers. So maybe that's that's the that's the chance now to, to get some value after a game one loss in the West Finals. But uh, any, of those, any of those stick out to you? Uh, yeah, the abs at minus 125, got to spend money to make money there. So yeah, I, I, I get that, um, but I do like it. Uh, and the Rangers, what, 600 there? Um, mm-hmm. 650. Yeah. yeah, absolutely love it. Um, chasing the plus sign always. Uh, but smart money, you can't go wrong betting the abs. Um, and then the Rangers, and then, well, not the Rangers, uh, the Oilers, you said it, plus 1,000. I mean, take a flyer. Why not? I mean, You've got some credit build up. You got some extra, you know, rubles laying around. Throw them on them. Yeah, and I mean, they got the best player in uh, Connor McDavid in the league, and Drysaitel is uh, he's pretty damn good too. All right, so predictions. Um, I'm gonna stick with the Oilers. I I I agree with you. You said it a little bit ago. Colorado, they're deeper. Um, they're one of the few teams that their top line or top couple lines could compete. Uh, skill wise, with the uh, with the Oilers, I mean Mc, Mc, McKinnon's awesome. McCarr, uh, Kadri's kind of a, a kind of a hard nosed guy, but a goal scorer. Uh, Landis Gog, like this team is loaded, um, but I I've stayed with Edmonton this whole run, even before the playoffs. That was my pick, so I'll take the Oilers in seven now since they lost game one, and uh, I'm listen. I'm tired of trying to be the smartest guy in the room. I picked against Tampa Bay in the first round, thought the the Leafs could actually do it. Uh, They blew it. And then I was like, you know what? The Panthers, their offense is going to be humming, and they scored one goal in in the final two games in in a sweep. So uh, rest of Tampa Bay, uh, I'm tired of doubting them. So I I got the lightning. I'll take them in six. Uh, How say you? Who's playing for the cup final in your eyes? Uh, I got I got the Avs in six, and I got the Rangers in seven in this one. Uh, I've been on the Rangers all year. Um, pains me as a Bruins fan to say I'm on the Rangers, but I feel like they, they've built it. 
the Bruins helped build them with the Rick Nash trade a couple of years ago. Um, so I feel like they've, they've earned the right to be here, and I feel like they're going to make their way there. They're kind of a likable team, too. Like, Ad, you, you mentioned Kreider, but Adam Fox is another guy, mm-hmm. uh, defenseman that just, I mean, he could score, but kind of plays the whole rank, does it all, kind of a just solid player. Um, Zabinajad, Panarin. I know Blue Jackets fans, we've probably got a few of those listening. Panarin has, has had some moments. Um, also, th- that young line of uh, Heedle, uh, Lafreniere, and Kako, like those guys are finally stepping up and, and playing good hockey this year and, and coming of age. So, yeah, the, the Rangers, I give them a puncher's chance for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just – I'm tired of I'm tired of Tampa, but, I mean, they keep punching me in the face, so um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm putting the hex on them now, so we'll, yeah. we'll get what we all want. But um, anyway, moving on, last segment, uh, racing this past Memorial Day weekend Sunday. I don't know about you, man, but uh, Coca-Cola 600 was pretty damn good. Eventful day for my guy Kyle Larson. Your guy Kyle Bush also had an eventful day, but uh, somehow, some way, uh, they both had chances to win and and had respectable finishes. After uh, holy shit, that was that was a a awful awful long race to watch, but uh, that was damn good. Indy 500. I mean, it always delivers. Um, and Monaco, we got our weather wishes and I know I'll throw it to you here first. We'll, we'll do the Monaco recap real quick. Ferrari, you tweeted out donkeys. You're being nice, <laughs> but, uh, just, oh man, that's, that's a tough one to swallow, but a compelling Monaco race, which is usually out of the norm. So, uh, take it away, uh, with Monaco, your, just your initial thoughts and reactions to the Monaco GP. I've never, I've never been more disgusted at, at Ferrari. Uh, that was an absolute bottling of that day. And they, they, I mean, Carlos finished second and mm-hmm. they almost bottled his day as well too, by trying to bring him in super early. I mean, with the weather, with how the race was going, with how good Charles was, they won nothing Rangers, by the way. Uh, oh, hell yeah. And uh, with, with how good he is, at that point, you just leave him up the longest. That's all you have to do. Red Bull comes in to change, you know, get a fast outlap, and then bring Carlos in, get him back out before the Red Bulls, and then you get that gap built up for Charles, and that's all you had to do. Um, I, I feel like he could have been in play for, for second there if yeah the, the box call would have came out earlier before they brought him in a double stack by accident. Just an absolute mind-numbing day i've never been more mad over an f1 race than i was that day especially with charles the chance to win at his home track um but at least he finished the race so i was getting ready to sarcastically say that so yeah so take take the dollars and you know there's still what 15 races left in the year so and he's only down nine points to max the championship so sucks um sucks to see checo win as well um yeah that's uh, I don't got anything else to talk about that place. I'm, I'm done with Monaco for a year. Yeah, it was weird to me that, like, the double stack worked for Red Bull um, and, and didn't for Ferrari. Um, also, I was – I mean, George ended up fifth, but I was way off on uh, Mercedes curing their, their, their bouncing, porpoising um, issues on a bumpy street course. That's an oversight on my book, but uh, – I mean, neutrally, it was a compelling race for Monaco standards. Well, it was. Um, and then poor Mick. I mean, I, I get it. It's his, his fuck up. Um, I get it. They're designing the cars more for the, the rear end, the gearbox to, to come loose from the monocoque, but it still never looks good. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime you see a car uh, a split in two pieces, yeah, just doesn't look good uh, at all. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it gets a passing grade um, and it's kind of a low bar, but uh, to, to start the day off. Um, also, I didn't, I get it. Like that's the procedure for the FIA. If you haven't had any practice or qualifying running in what conditions they could, they could do a rolling start. But I mean, 
I thought it was good enough for a standing start. Now, if you wrecked out like eight cars in, in turn one after a standing start, then I would have been probably hindsight's 2020, but I probably would have been like, why the fuck didn't they do a rolling start and, and click off some laps and, and get the racing line uh, dried in and get some of the wet stuff uh, picked up a little bit. But uh, oh, all in all, it's good. I, I, and I, this podcast has a weird relationship with Checo Perez, but uh, hats off to him. Um, put himself in position qualifying-wise to take advantage of uh, the mistakes made by the Ferrari pit wall and uh, check is a crown jewel winner. So um, moving on any 500 speaking of F1 shout out to Marcus Erickson, uh, the Swede wins the, the 500. Um, I feel like me and you almost flirted with the idea. Uh, we, we pumped up freaking Ganassi the last Ooh. couple of weeks leading into the 500 and he was kind of the forgotten man, but uh Again, their pit strategy uh, got him out, cycled him out in the lead and uh, in in late in the race. Jimmy Johnson tries to tear the wall down, and surprisingly, they red flagged it. I thought Jimmy Johnson won Erickson the race. I mean, you texted about that uh, when it happened, but had a, an open red, stopped the race with like four to go. They got a back green with two to go, um, and it's weird. Like, no matter who I'm rooting for or against – just to see that emotion, um, no matter who wins it and, and what that race means, I, I just can't help but feel happy for whoever gets a job done. So well done to Marcus Erickson. But I feel like the big talking point, yet again, in some way, and, he, and he's got one Indy 500 win, so it's not like a, a Dale Earnhardt situation where he's chasing the day 10 of 500 but scott dixon obviously the modern day best indycar driver in our lifetime um finds another way to fuck himself dude just go ahead and take it from there that i mean he did everything right i mean he didn't put a tire wrong on that track the entire no. way and you know i was like all but reserved i was like you know what he was doing it to low um him and I forget what was it uh Pato him and him were going back and forth trading the lead there um just trying to save fuel and I, I was like you know this is Scott Dixon's race to lose I, it it had that feeling like J.R. Hildebrand it was his to lose in 20, 2011 and I was like man I don't, I don't know I don't think anyone's got a chance to beat Dixon his car was a rocket ship um you know he was just putting in the right spot and then just one fuck up on pit lane um, one slip of the finger, maybe he didn't hit the pit limiter button at the right time. Maybe he hit the brake too hard, um, and just just absolutely screwed him. So it's it's hard to feel bad for a guy who's won six championships and won Indy five hundred, but man, yeah. he 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 had the the whole month was his basically, and that 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 actually absolutely sucks for him. On the flip side, like you said, former F one star Marcus Erickson, um, <laughs> you start lightly there. He, that was, I mean, we said it. I mean, we, we, we talked about Ganassi. We said they what, had all five cars were in the fast 12. Um, and he was kind of like the last guy there. Polo and Dixon on the front row. Jimmy Johnson, the, the seven-time Cup Series champion with the storyline. And then TK, former 500 winner and everything. Um, and then Erickson just hung around and, you know, top 10 the whole day and found his spot and made it count. Yeah, and I, I want to pat ourselves on the back. For, I mean, we're not, admittedly, I, I guess I'm speaking for you a little bit, but we're not huge IndyCar guys. Uh, but the 500, like, without picking the race winner right, we nailed it. I mean, my dark horse, Ferrucci, ran up front a lot of the day and was a factor. Your guy, Rosenquist, in, in, your, in our dark horse picks, uh, also was a factor. Um, and And then, I mean... Polo kind of screwed himself uh, running out of fuel on a, or almost running out of fuel and happened to come down pit lane mm-hmm. uh, when the pit lane was closed and that kind of shuffled him back and in his race. Um, your boy VK, just bad circumstances. Uh, it was tricky, man, especially uh, they said it was real windy and, and the wind in the two, I don't know if it was coming across to or just, just pushing directly into the rear of the car, but a lot of guys were, were washing out on two. Saw a lot of carnage there throughout the 500 miles. But uh, 
Did you like, I mean, I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to an Indy 500, like 500 mile race, but you go 500 miles. Technically it did still get 500 mm-hmm. miles. Uh, I was stunned. You were stunned that they, they did an open red uh, situation there. Um, but um, I don't know. Did you like it? I, I, I kind of did because it didn't, I, I felt like Erickson deserved to win the race after getting out front and stuff like that. If he would have got passed by a ward on that restart on the outside, I probably still would been like, you know what? Pato earned it. He, he's been up front the last couple of Indy 500s, got the place figured out. So, so good on him. He's likable. But I mean, if somebody would have came like from seventh or something like that and, and won and it screwed like those guys that put themselves in position to win, I probably would have had a problem with it. Again, that's playing the results, but that's what I'm doing. But how say you on that situation? Yeah, I, I mean, we, we've seen it, you know, a couple of years ago, 2020, when Takuma Sato won under yellow. Um, and I, I feel like right then and there, you know, all the eyes of the world were on it then, especially at that time. Um, and people were, they were disgusted with how, and they're like, how could a race end under yellow? And it is 500 miles. Like, you can't go over the 500. That's one of the big things with this one. So I, I really enjoy that they did red flag it and, you know, had the two-lap shoot out there. And, you know, being a big TK guy throughout the years, um, you know, with him in third right there, I was like, oh, hell yeah. The guy who's been in third the last two years has won each time. I was like, this is, this is his. He had a great car. Um, so I was excited for that. And I did feel for Erickson, though. I was like, man, he, he put himself in the right spot. He was pulling away there. Yeah, the yeah, he was out. Yep. And, and for that just to happen, it was, it, it was a rough scene. And then talking to his strategist um, on the pit wall, and they were like, you know, he's got a good car. We're, if if it goes you're green again, we know yeah, they're confident, win. right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I I'm glad that they did red flag it and got it cleared and everything, um, and also made for a much better. Um, shit, I can't think of the word. Much better, much 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 better race product for for the fans there. And I think that's what Penske's wanted to do the last two years, and he's finally got it. Yeah, moving on. Last one: NASCAR Coke Six Hundred, World Six Hundred, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, probably one of the best in, in, in ever, maybe in our lifetime. Um, really, if you look at NASCAR as a whole, Martinsville, Phoenix, and the all-star race at Texas kind of had three strikeouts, like without a doubt, the rest of the racing has been pretty damn good. Um, and I mean, of course there's a lot of cautions, a lot of carnage, um, a lot of guys just spinning out on their own. Both our guys did, but um, did you watch a lot of it? I I, I foolishly uh, watched the whole damn thing, um, but uh, end up getting rewarded in a sense. Denny Hamlin, by the way, uh, finally checking off the uh, 600 off his uh, impressive career, Hall of Fame career. He, he gets the dub there. Uh, your guy, KB18, gets second. Um, but, uh, yeah, your thoughts on the on the 600? Yeah, what probably behind the Daytona 500 and the Bristol night race, this is probably my, my favorite um, race up there. Um, I, I, I just love the endurance and the marathon and everything that can go wrong in the first 200 laps that can go absolutely right in this last 200. Um, first, first, you know, first 200 laps of the race, I didn't watch. Uh, was that was that a comedy show? Um, shout out Tom Segura. It's hilarious. Nice. Um, but, you know, listen to it on the radio on the way home between that and the Celtics game seven. Um, slipping back and forth between Celtics breaks. Um, and then, you know, Celtics win the game seven, flip it over. Um, Kyle Larson, Chase Briscoe going at it. Uh, great battle there too. I don't, yeah. I don't, I feel like that's gotten overshadowed by what, how, how it ended and how long it went. Um, Briscoe, he had a chance. Uh, he just didn't have enough ass behind the, 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 the car there and caused himself to wreck. That son of that, that, that finale, I wasn't sure who was going to pit. I, I didn't think anyone was going to pit. I thought it was going to be track position only. And then, you know, the, the two tires and the four tires, and that number three car, when, when it came out of the picture on that I back thought, straightaway. I thought he was going to win. That, that run. What a, what a run. I mean, that was a hot rod. And, you know, I, I don't mind Austin Dillon. It have been cool to see the three car win again in the 600. Yeah. Um, and then get down that front straightaway. I, I thought – that they crossed the line before the caution came out. And I was like, ah, damn, uh, it's going to be ending like that. And then for the seas to part for Kyle Bush to get through between 
Chastain, Logano passing through Larson there. Um, it, it was an incredible finish. And then that setup, Kyle had the chance. He had Denny on the outside. It was much better on the outside. Just got um, a little wiggle. Yeah, just just enough. And I feel like that's what these cars were meant to do. They're not supposed to run side by side like that. They're easier to follow. But when they get side by side, it's it, it's tough. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I was happy with it. I mean, I'm a Joe Gibbs guy, first and foremost. Um, Kyle Busch fan, first and foremost. But, you know, if we can get a one-two Toyota, um, get the, the captain to win one there, it, 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 it's always perfect. Um, so good, good for Denny. I'm glad he's got that one. Now if he just needs the championship, and I feel like he'll be a, a, a top 10 all-timer. Yeah, man, I just from a, a, my rooting interest, Kyle Larson. So in the first half of the race, the first 200 laps, he had three different pit road penalties. Uh, he hit the wall. Um, he spun out, and, I mean, there was some excess fuel on the car and uh, provided for some great video and pictures, like he just rolling down the pit lane and out on the racetrack during a caution with just flames shooting out of the, out of the, <laughs> the fuel window. All that happened in the first uh, 200 laps, 300 miles, and he kept and he started in the back. And he had to pass 700 cars, it felt like, that night. So it was fun from that point of view, frustrating at times. But then for him to almost win it, you're kind of like, God, like why'd Briscoe have to get loose? Like, I mean, he wasn't trying to, didn't do it on purpose. I get it. He's going for the win, just trying to get up there and side draft and got spun around. But for Larson to finish ninth, especially after the, the first half of the race, how, how he kept having them to fight and claws way out of, uh, you know, some self influence, self-induced, uh, issues, I guess taking a ninth place finish. And I don't know how he, well, I mean, he's uber talented. Why, but him getting mixed up in that, that crash, uh, I don't know how he didn't get any, uh, more damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just spun out, <laughs> collected it, uh, some super talent there, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty damn good, honestly, for the 600. And it just makes you kind of pissed off at NASCAR. Like, they, they finally got Charlotte back to kind of where it needs to be, whether it's the racetrack getting, it, you know, some age on it, wearing out a little bit, like you can run the top and the bottom. Uh, or it's just these new cars taking a liking to the oval part of Charlotte. But, I mean, you saw Briscoe chase down Larson. It was like that the whole night. Um, guys side by side. Uh, you could track down and, and run down the leaders if your car was better. Um, so it's, it was kind of organic, a, a really good race. And like I said earlier, like really three strikeouts on the air. The rest of the racing has been pretty good. There's still some issues. and We're, we're going to probably say that the whole year with this new car, but it's been a success ultimately in, in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. The, the racing has been good. The car has been good. Uh, and from a safety standpoint, I just want to get this one in there real quick. Before oh, we yeah, up. Chris. Chris Busher with a hellacious wreck. Um, car, car did his job. It stayed together. Um, they, they got it flipped over good and everything. He came out of there unharmed. Um, and for I, I feel like that was just like a freak accident, too. Like You saw him hit that. Uh, what was it? Uh, the, the grate on, in the infield there where they have the AstroTurf now. Yeah, I don't um, know if it was that or just that the the A arm broke off and I, it might have dug in too. I never did get an answer on whether it yeah. was a drainage uh, grade or the car just dug in. But either yeah. way, nasty. Yeah, yeah. always scary. Super entertaining, but always scary to be like, damn. Like you think back to like the Ryan Newman where he's on the on his windshield scraping across mm-hmm. the start finish line. Um, so good, good, good for the safety there, and it's all, always good to see him just step out of that car and be completely fine. Just a little shaken up. All right. So just a couple things and we'll get out of here. This weekend, IndyCar uh, is is in Belle Isle, the Detroit Grand Prix street course on the Belle Isle. Um, I'm taking just quick picks here. Um, not unless you have more to add about this, but um, I'm, I'm taking Dixon for a little bit of redemption. He, he has not a win, I don't think, this year yet. Um, so I, I think – He's going to come in motivated, pissed off from the 500. Now it's a shitty consolation prize, but I think after the Indy 500, he just kind of morphs into 
points mode, championship mode, and I think they're going to put the nine car in position this week. So I think he gets it done. Uh, that That's my Detroit Grand Prix pick. Thoughts on the race? If you got a pick, throw it out there. Uh, yeah, last race at Belle Isle. They're going to uh, downtown Detroit, making it a, a street course. Uh, after this year so i did not know that yeah i think this is the last one there so that 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 kind of sucks it's a a great track i like it bouncy Uh, right i am going to take uh last year's winner uh the duck pato um i i I think he gets it done after getting close there last week dark horse colton herda uh you know he got the tough i mean yeah that was going to his backup car too um that that was a rough one for him and andretti autosport all across except for rossi i think um, so yeah, I like Pato and then Colton Hurt is a dark horse on that one. All right, moving on cup series at a uh, gateway, the, or the artist formerly known as gateway, uh, St. Louis, I actually technically it's in Illinois, right across the border, whatever, uh, worldwide technology raceway is what it's called now. Yeah. Uh, one and a quarter mile racetrack. So, uh, you know, kind of in that intermediate, smaller intermediate, uh, distance, um, we've seen IndyCar here. We've seen the truck series here, ARCA here before. Um, you know, it's kind of an egg shape one in, I think it's one and two. Uh, it's really tight and pinched in and the other ends three and four. It might be, I might have that asked up, but the other one's a sweeping corner. The other one's pretty tight, but, um, yeah, kind of cool that NASCAR's trying new stuff and going to a different market. Uh, would love to see them go to Iowa. That's a three quarter mile racetrack and, Always like when the Xfinity Series or IndyCar goes to Iowa to expand that Midwest footprint. Um, also, probably a bad weekend uh, to be in the uh, basically the the proving grounds, the home base of a Bush Light. Probably going to be a lot of Bush Lights killed this weekend uh, at Gateway. But um, anyway, your thoughts on the racetrack, and um, if you got a pick, throw it out there. Yeah, you said a bad weekend to be a beer. Um... So I think it's going to be a fun race. Uh, it kind of looks like a kind of like a little more little severe Darlington with the way yeah. the track shaped. Um, yep. So uh, hopefully we get some running up against the wall there. Um, I I, don't, I think did they used to race here? I feel like there used to be a race here in the Cup yeah. Series. No, I don't know the Cup Series never. But like I said, I think maybe Bush did and mm-hmm. uh, definitely trucks. But it used to be Gateway Speedway or International Raceway. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm thinking of Chicago land. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, never mind. Um, so it, it's new track. Um, yeah, no, I, nobody has any, any notebook here. Right, all, yeah. all sim work and tire tests. Yeah, so I, I feel like new track will bring in some fresh faces. Um, I, I, guy's been in the top 10 the last three, four weeks. Christopher Bell, I, I, I really like him. I think he's going to get, get, get his win here. That's a good pick. I'm going to go with the MTJ, also sticking with the Toyota theme, I guess. But um, I don't know. I, he doesn't have a win yet, right? Right. So I, I just feel like um, he's due. He, he's good. Doesn't matter. Uh, I feel like he can figure it out. Plus, another thing, if you look, only 300-mile race. So mm. this this ought to be – watch it be a caution fest, and I jinx this. But this ought to come in two hours, two hours and a half of race time. So – Maybe this is kind of a NASCAR looking at a, a like you keep Bristol, you keep your super speedways, you keep the Coke 600. The rest of these things, like 250, 300, I feel like is a nice, perfect distance. Um, but right, you know, I don't, I don't need. I'm 500 not charged. I don't need 500 at California. Like it's, it's just yeah. too long. No, no. Anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll take Truex to win. And then um, don't know if we're going to podcast next week, but uh, Baku's in two weeks. Uh, again, that that's a street course that could be <laughs> – it's a mixed bag. We've seen some boring races there. We've seen a lot of excitement. Um, just initial thoughts on Baku and and, and, and a lean uh, for a race win in a couple weeks when F1 resumes. Yeah, it's um, one one of my favorites up there. I'm a, I'm a big street course guy. I've been many times on this podcast. Um, Baku, I, I love the the 90 degree turns too around the castle section and everything. Um, first first glance, it's a Red Bull track. Long, long. That's what streets. I was thinking. Um, so they're going to make up a ton of time there. Um, you know, like you said, Mercedes didn't solve the porpoising issue. That's going to be a problem for them on those straights. 
Um, Ferrari is supposed to bring some upgrades. So hopefully those do work, um, kind of bring their gap down a little bit. Um, but first glance, this is a Red Bull track, first and foremost. And I think it's going to stay that way, unfortunately. Yeah, and selfishly, I would like to see, and I know you wouldn't, I, I, I would probably gun the head, take Max. I mean, that's probably the chalk pick, how he might be. I'm not going to look it up, but uh, if you looked up the odds, he, he might be given, uh, you know, minus money odds-wise. But selfishly, I, I want Charles or Checo to, to win this this upcoming Grand Prix in a couple weeks. Just to really tighten the screws more on this championship battle. Um, you know, if we got three or four guys in the mix late in the year, I think that's uh, good for everybody. So, but yeah, I will, you know, maybe we'll be back next week. I don't know uh, on the pod, but anyway, I'm spent. You got any, uh, you got anything that uh, we missed or any cleanup or what, what have you? I think, I think we nailed it all today. I, I like that spirit. I agree with you, man. So uh, anyway, uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can do uh, with the search and podcast PCAST on all major and minor podcasting platforms. Five stars, rate it, follow it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's much appreciated. Um, so, yeah, anyway, for uh, Bobby Russell, any famous last words, by the way? Let's go Celtics. Yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so uh, yeah, finals get going Thursday night, tomorrow night, so uh, that makes sense. Anyway, for uh, Bobby Russell, this has been the only Tyler B. Uh, t- oh my God, I can't talk. I just had a stroke. All right, show's <laughs> over. Uh, see everybody uh, the next time we come to your ear canals. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>